Imagine a tomorrow powered by innovation, bringing the world together through real conversations about world-changing ideas, expert discussions with no boundaries. Coming up... is the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia. Here is Michael Hainsworth. Under the United Nations Women Collaboration Framework, Nokia has been working on an Action for Leadership program, and recently Nokia invited Deutsche Telekom into that to address this important issue. Because despite two generations of effort, gender equality in the workforce is still a challenge, and particularly in the tech industry. Efforts to enroll women into STEM-related university programs lag the parity of the overall population. And even when a woman graduates into a STEM industry, they're still likely to be paid less than their male counterparts, despite equal pay laws. Martia Niehaus is the Senior VP of HR at Deutsche Telekom and worked with Nokia on this program. We began by discussing the current state of gender parity in the tech industry today. Unfortunately, Michael, not a good story. One would have expected that with 50% of the population being female, and especially when you look, and and when I speak about this specifically in Germany, when you look at the graduate number of graduates coming from university, which is also close to 50%, and I then look at the numbers in our technology space, we cannot be satisfied. Do you see this as a systemic social issue? I do, unfortunately, believe that it is. Um, you know, I think there's so many systemic issues still, a deep cultural um, view of the role of women. Um, I'm coming from South Africa, um, and it was a little bit of a shock when you look at Germany specifically, which is a leader, you know, in the economy in Europe, uh, economically, um, and you expect expected us as, as a German society to be further ahead. But there is still a very strongly culturally ingrained view of what a woman should be and should do, especially when it comes to family and childcare. That's unusual to me. As a member of Generation X, I recall in the 1980s, we referred to them as working women. And it was an unusual thing that a woman was working outside the home. And there was so much talk about um, having to juggle um, motherhood and the career. I would have assumed over the following 40 years, we would have made some progress in this department. I also thought so. When I started my career, Michael, we were talking about this topic extensively. And, it, you know, we were kind of thinking that we were trailblazing in terms of the initiatives that we were taking um, to, to change this. And when I look at where we are today um, and I look at the progress that we've made, I'm, I'm, I'm really saddened, um, you know, and I think when we talk to young women about this, there is still, unfortunately, a lot of prejudice that you find within organizations, um, sadly, even within the tech um, space, um, but very clearly still a deep-seated belief um, that there is certain roles that is the domain of women, let's put it this way, and, and not so much of men. 
Do you think it may be technology related specifically? You know, as I say, back in the 1980s, technology was really kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really didn't have a broad based technological uh, world until I would argue the year 2000. Um, is it just the case that this is an industry that's behind the times or do you think it's broad based? It is sadly a little bit more broad based. I think it is exacerbated in the technology environment. Um, and it, a lot of this has to do with access, with education, um, with with women not having classically um, in their big numbers, you know, attending the STEM field, you know, and studying in the STEM in the STEM activities. So I think it has to do with access and then having a, a, a number of people to choose from when you then go into these tech fields. Um, and, and this has to do, I think, with the fact that technology is relatively new, although this is such a sad topic for me, Michael, because, you know, if you look at technology, for me, the fundamental belief and a belief that we have here at Technology and Innovation at Deutsche Telekom is was that we should um, use technology for good. And technology has the capability to impact um, so many lives in a positive way and also to create a healthier planet for all of us. So, so technology has at its fingertips the many, many solutions um, to human problems. Um, and it's, it is something that should be explored much more. You know, when I specifically look at, at the state of the world, when you look at how women and children are often impacted um, by many, many different things, by wars, by famine, by social um, events. You know, it, it is something that, that we should look at how can we help, the, you know, use technology to get out of the, um, these situations. And what's your answer? How do we leverage technology to help get more women into STEM? Are, are, are we starting at an early enough level in, in high school? I think this is one of the answers. One of the answers is to obviously expose young children from an early age um, around making people curious. You know, I read a little bit about the young women who got into the STEM field. And when typically when you ask them why did they, you know, get into this field, it is around curiosity. It is around understanding the world. Um, so it is, it's both dealing with it at a systemic level to really deal with the cultural aspects um, of freeing women in a way um, to, to, to be able to be interested and to, to be curious, because I do, do not think that women are less curious, um, uh, you know, about the world and the way that it works. And in many places in the world, um, women are often, you know, if you educate women and you, you, you create whole societies who could be uplifted. Um, so for me, it's, it's actually precisely using this technology um, to, to excite, to gain interest, to expose. If, if, if I just look at, the, at, at farmers, who are the farmers in Africa, for example? It's female. It's small, little farmers who have to put food on the table. Um, to educate those women using technology about weather patterns, about information that they need to do the work that they need to do. So it, it's actually starting to utilize that in order to create um, access to that information, to educate uh, so that, that more women are exposed. It feels to me like um, focusing on uh, young girls in high school 
is a little too late. As the father of a young daughter, I have been teaching her the importance of curiosity since the day she was born. I, I think, you know, it is about um, exposing, about reading, about not expecting a stereotypical behavior um, from from women. I mean, I, I've, I've just read an article about a young woman who was going into mechanical engineering. I'm, I'm also mentoring someone in that field. And, you know, she told me that when she decided to become a mechanical engineer, she had such pushback from her family because they said, you know, the classic careers as a woman was a teacher um, or a nurse. Um, and, and, and still to this day, these are seen as the kind of respectable roles. I think a lot of this has to do also about how are we enabling women to keep on working despite other commitments, despite family commitments. Because I sometimes have the sense that a lot of women feel they need to choose. They need to choose a career um, in whichever field, but then specifically also the STEM field, um, or having um, the choice of either choosing to have a family or to have children. And, and this is something that I found very much prevalent still um, in, uh, in our society. I'm, I'm fairly hopeful that I'm hoping in the new, newer generation, the younger generation, that is that, that is starting to change, that that, that is a, a, a more of an awareness. But I think this is also where men play an incredibly important role. I have three sons. And for me, it was very important um, in my education of them and my exposure of them to the world to model um, also this behavior of, of roles, of, of being a happy, fulfilled working woman and a mother um, and immediately addressing the topic if I find that there is some prejudice creeping in and I'm, I'm, you know, because I think we need to raise young boys, young men as feminists, as, as you know, as advocates for women um, in, in supporting that because without that, we will not create the change that is necessary. You mentioned you're mentoring a woman in mechanical engineering. What, what makes a right role model for girls to get into STEM? I believe it is this topic of I can I can live out my curiosity I can do whatever I want to do which is something that we take you know that we that I, I think when you look at your daughter you, you you take for granted you think but I, I'm telling her she can be whoever she wants to be she doesn't have to choose um, she can create the space in her life for for whatever those choices as any man could you know we very we, we never ask a man are you planning to have kids Right, and we literally still have some of those questions being asked of women, um, you know, in the workplace. So, so for me, it is it is really women. Uh, ideal role models are women and men who are happy, fulfilled, who who who's not resentful because they had to make certain choices, who's not burnt out. Because I'm often wondering, you know. Um, my generation or the, the generation before who fought so hard for this, whether we are seeing in this slightly younger generation kind of a backlash where they looked maybe at women like me and thought oh, it, it was too hard. There were too many choices that needed to be made. We needed, you know, when you said you can have it all, what does that mean? Does, does that actually then mean burning out because you just cannot 
manage everything. It is just not possible um, to at, at every point in time, in every sphere of your life, give 100%. There are certain times when you have to do more in the one area, less in the other, and we need to enable that. And, and that's also, I think, an area where technology has a massive role to play. After this podcast, learn more about this and other insightful topics by going to nokia.com slash real conversations. There you'll find additional information linked to today's podcast. What convinced you to join Nokia's UN Women Collaboration? I think it was exactly this topic, Michael, is, is, is a huge awareness that we still have some way to go. And it was the feeling that the UN comes with a very specific broader mindset, which which I really bought into, which is how do we use technology for good? How do we do something that is that has a, a nurturing good impact on, on people, but also on the world within the context of being a business? I'm, I'm very mindful also that, that being part of Deutsche Telekom and being in a business environment, we have a mandate to also make money, to also progress you know and it's 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 finding a way of bringing all of these factors together and what was interesting to me was the un mindset which is this greater good bringing in how do we use technology to address some of the challenges we face in the world at the moment um but also the opportunity to do this together with nokia who is is a partner in the technology sphere um, and and where I thought, well, you, there's a, a different kind of learning that we have if we bring different groups together and different people together. And, and it really proved um, successful in that way for me. So how does the program work? The whole purpose behind this program was, was to create an environment which was balanced. You know, you could look at it and you could you, you say, but all of the talents, all of the people that we had in the program was female, so is that balanced? But that, that's an interesting topic. Uh, when we had a discussion with the women, um, whether they liked the constellation of all female groups or whether they would suggest for a future initiative for that to be mixed, there was a very clear feedback um, to have it initially really female focused because there was a kind of safe space that was created um and and this you know when we talk about an environment of psychological safety we know that innovation happens in these kind of spaces and spaces where people feel safe um, and i think the, the whole purpose of this which was looking at the design of some innovative products or services which you know, takes into consideration the current reality in a sustainable way. And and for me, this is what the UN brought, brought the broader picture, also the initiatives and the learning around sustainability, around the challenges that we face as mankind. And then Nokia and the Deutsche Telekom from their different vantage points and different perspectives, bringing their tech view. I think the important thing was also that that there was never the idea that we had to come out with this killer application or this brilliant product or this brilliant service. If that happens, it's fantastic. It's an additional, it's a byproduct, but it was more about this journey um, and the learning 
that people could jointly undergo. And it, it, it was really something that we tested. We've never done this before with another organization. Um, and, and this was a, a unique um, uh, journey that we started to travel. So what have you learned from Nokia and what has Nokia learned from you? People, talents that are taking part from a Deutsche Telekom perspective are mentored by Nokia um, leaders um, and, and, and mentors and vice versa. So we deliberately wanted to have that exchange. So a lot of the learnings, I believe, has been at a very individual level also with very individual personalities um, and uh, different views. Um, so I think we will still be hearing about all of the the learnings that we've had as an organization. But, you know, we also, we have different cultures as organizations, and, and this is part of, and it, I think it was just a, a fantastic way in a very safe space to expose people to different cultures, different ways of working. I think one of the challenges that we always face in Deutsche Telekom, now, of course, with this group of women, it's not so prevalent because they, you know, they are younger. But I think when you are a company like Deutsche Telekom, we are aging rapidly. You know, people tend to be with the company for a very long time, so over a long period. And I think the danger of that is that we that we are not seeing what life is looking like in different organizations, in different uh, geographies, in different places. And I think this is extremely valuable. Um, for each of the, the participants. What about you personally? What would you say your, your biggest takeaway has been from participating in this uh, leadership program? For me, it was absolutely confirming that not staying in your little box, not trying to do this, especially a topic like this, this topic around gender equality, around women in tech, um, in STEM, is a problem that we are all grappling with. You know, this is not uniquely German or uniquely Deutsche Telekom. And when we want to find the answers to this challenge, we need to also broaden um, the lenses with which we look at it. Um, and we might think that we are doing brilliant work, you know, within our programs and with our um, strategies. But I really do believe, take different perspectives, different viewpoints in different cultures. We, you know, we had one of our events in Hungary. That was a very powerful experience for all of the women involved and, and for myself. So what is Deutsche Telekom doing internally to promote gender equality? I think quite a number of programs. And what we are trying to do is, because I think the danger, Michael, if you isolate this and you try to have programs which is only focused, you, you could get the feeling of exclusion again. Um, and, and there's a lot of discussion with, with, with um, because we're an aging organization as well. So there is a lot of, I think, fear as well in the white male middle age population in terms of, but what about us? Where are we going? So we have many, many different initiatives from, um, you know, number of communities, self organized communities within the organization. Um, we have programs that is linked to talent and succession management. Um, but what we specifically decided was to not make it separate. So with other words, when we look at our talent and succession management program, we have a global talent pool, talent hub, um, we, which is you know for all Deutsche Telekom employees and talents. But, of course, with a very specific focus and objective to ensure 
that we have enough female representation and enough diversity from from a well a, a general diversity perspective and that is gender that is a major focus but also international because we are building a much more international organization and this is also one of the aims is to make it not too german centric and not too male so so taking a program which is a talent management program with the same kind of opportunities for learning for education it's linked to very very specific um education programs to upskill um and 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 we've had really great success when we look at our succession slates and we've made some decisions in terms of how many of the people that is on a succession should be diverse should be female and this was one of the ways in which we're doing that then we've supported we have we have many many initiatives like the startup community which is bringing graduates into the to the organization with a big focus on on bringing young graduates in um there was the ada fellowship which is an external initiative where we supported uh, deutsche telekom women to get involved in this program um a, a program doing a lot of work to enable also to take away the barriers um you know so um topics like breaking the glass ceiling which is a program that we've run as a pilot specifically in the technology space which is a lot to do with unconscious bias you know where people often are really oblivious um to 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 the fact that they either use language which is offensive or exclude you know excludes people so a lot of training and focus on on those kind of topics if there was one thing you'd like the listener to take away from this conversation what would it be this is that is a very very difficult question um it is to say that i believe there's actually a huge responsibility because this world that we are in have so many problems that needs to be fixed which only could be fixed if you have a joint view of male and female view on it if i just look at our customers at least half of our customers are female and if we don't have in our experienced design teams in our in our teams within the organization a balance of perspective we will lose out at capturing the market that we have out there the real conversations podcast by nokia building a future that's sustainable productive and inclusive together discover how by visiting nokia.com/noboundaries <laughs>